0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Department is mulling comments from industry on paying contractors forced to not work. DOD is developing policy for carrying out a section of the CARES Act, which covered reimbursement for lost pay from the pandemic. Here with what the services contractor industry told DOD, the Executive Vice President and Counsel at the Professional Services Council, Alan Chavotkin. And Alan, I guess you really told them a lot, didn't you?
1: Well, I tried to, Tom. We have a big and diverse membership and a lot of interest in the activities of the department. So it took uh, 11 pages to convey the ideas that we wanted to, to share with the department. It was good news that they put out their proposed reimbursement guidance for comment. I wish we had even a little bit more time. I probably could have added a few more pages of comments. But the good news is that there's a pathway forward to get reimbursement. The bad news, in my view, is that the proposed guidance is uh, too complicated, too inflexible, and and, in my view will dissuade more companies from uh, trying to take advantage of the benefits that the Congress gave them.
0: Yes, we're talking about Section 3610 of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act. And so they have to do this. They have to set up a system for this. What were the big problems with the way they proposed carrying it out?
1: Well, a couple of issues to, to start with. First of all, uh, there's a critical eligibility question called being an affected contractor. Do you have employees who are unable to work because of the pandemic but are still essential and should be kept in a what's called a ready state? That's the phrase of the legislation. Uh, that's a threshold decision that we think the department or ever, any other federal agency, because this is government-wide, uh, should be able to make it more easily and at the beginning. That decision is buried after dozens of other questions that the department wanted answers to. So we recommended that they bifurcate or maybe even trifurcate the decision. Put that question of whether you're an affected contractor up front. If you are, then what additional information does the Department of Defense need to determine who's eligible and for how much? The second question is, are funds available? critical, because even if you're eligible and there are no funds available, doesn't matter that you're eligible. And BSE has a slight disagreement with the department over the interpretation of that, and so we tried to lay that out a little bit in our commentary. And finally, the question of the amount of documentation required to support a reimbursement is extensive, lengthy, and in many cases, information that the Department of Defense or other government agencies already have. We suggested significantly streamlining the request for data and even tailoring it. If you're a smaller contractor with only a handful of employees affected, you probably don't need to have Uh, all of the information. The department probably doesn't need all that information. If you're a larger company, maybe they need some more, but certainly not all of the data that they've uh, laid out in their draft. So I tried to address uh, those three major topics in their comments, uh, and we're hoping that uh, the department will be able to restructure the reimbursement guide. As importantly, the companies and the agencies uh, the Department of Defense and other federal agencies need to have this information out there in order for companies to be able to take advantage of it. And that was the reason Congress passed the CARES Act. That's the reason they made this uh, benefit available to uh, this small segment of uh, employees. And uh, we certainly don't want the rulemaking process and the uh, guidance documents to take months to get it finalized.
0: We're speaking with Alan Chavotkin, Executive Vice President of the Council at the Professional Services Council. And getting to your first point, the gating question as to whether you're eligible in the first place, do I infer from that that this is an online form and you have to fill out page after page of questions before you get to that gating question, and therefore you can't jump ahead to see if you're eligible in the first place?
1: That's right. Uh, Buried back on, uh, you know, paragraph five of the third document is really the data necessary to make that eligibility that's why we wanted to separate it out and moved up front because if there's no eligibility why go through all the data collection save the government analysis time save the contractor enormous uh, resources to have to put that together it's an easy decision to split that and move it up front i think the department recognizes that and i hope would move more quickly in that direction uh, even if they take a little longer to get out some of the data questions that they're going to require for those who are eligible.
0: And what's your estimate of how long it would take a contractor to fill out all of the questions and forms to be able to start getting money?
1: Well, some of the our member companies estimate that uh, first some some of the information is not even available to them and may not be until after the program essentially ends and comes after the fact submission. Uh, it could take even mid-sized companies hundreds of hours, hundreds, to collect the data and organize it in the form that the department has requested. And that the spreadsheets, narratives, much of that information will have to be created anew, even though data to support that might be readily available in the contractor's personnel systems or, or uh, elsewhere in the company's uh, data.
0: It sounds like DoD is being super cautious so that no one can later say, "Look, they reimburse the chief envelope liquor at a big giant company."
1: Nowhere does it say that, but I think that's a fair implication, uh, and we've seen that cautiousness throughout. Uh, I don't want the government to waste any money. I don't want a single contractor who's not eligible to be able to receive these funds. But those who are eligible uh, should not have to go through uh, such an extensive review process with uh, data that doesn't, in my view, contribute to the department's decision-making process.
0: And backing upstream to Congress, which spawned all of this originally, you're looking to some sort of return to regular order now that we're seeing with Congress and uh, looking ahead to what might be in the NDAA for 2021, the National Defense Authorization
1: Act. Well, that's right. And I think your return to regular order is a good phrase. Maybe Congress is uh, coming up on phase two of their activities Uh You know, they've already been in session, both the House and the Senate. Just last week, the House passed a revision to the Paycheck Protection Program. That's the huge uh, $700 billion uh, lending program for small businesses and others. So that uh, Paycheck Protection Program Flexibility Act gave companies a little bit more time and a little bit more guidance. I'm hoping that the Senate will pass that bill this week. The National Defense Authorization Act... Uh, This will be the 60th year uh, of its uh, enactment uh, annually. Uh, If I were a betting person, I'd bet that the Congress will enact an NDA this year to keep that streak going may not catch up with Cal Ripken's streak, but uh, certainly a good one to be proud of. There'll be a number of acquisition policy provisions in there, but I think overall this year's bill will look more to how to protect uh, the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, the civilian employees, and the contractor employees who are working to support the Department of Defense in its worldwide mission. So this may be the year where Uh, A lot of acquisition policy provisions are not necessary. The department has done an enormous and really a credible job in buying the critical materials and services needed to support uh, the ongoing mission of the department, uh, both in the regular order, spending has been continuing, as well as the unique purchasing around the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I think that'll continue for uh, months to come, and that's the the right area of focus.
0: Return to normal order. To me, that sounds like the sequence to shoot out at OK Corral. I don't know <laughs> why, but somehow the cadence is the same. Alan Chavotkin is Executive Vice President and Counsel at the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Tom.
0: We'll post this interview at com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Celebrate this holiday season by sending money to your loved ones with Western Union. As a new customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee when you send money online. For fast and reliable money transfers, use Western Union. Visit westernunion.com or download our app today to get started and your first transfer fee is on us. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. FX gain supply.